It's Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. They want without fear of being canceled. Unless you're a loudmouth jerk like Dave, then Glenn will hang up on you. Strap in, hold on to your coffee, and feel free to participate. This disclaimer does not refer to every person named Dave. Just one particular Dave from San Francisco. We know a lot of Daves. They call this show all the time, and they're great people. So don't call this program and complain that we use your name. That would be a real Dave move, Dave. So there's a new candidate. This, of course, is still too early as far as I'm concerned. Just announced. I mean, just happened. Nikki Haley announced presidential campaign and time for a new generation of leadership. Like my sister says, can we not have people who are in their 80s? No more old guys. Former South Carolina Governor and U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley announced today that she's running for president, seeking Republican nomination for 2024. There's a video posted on Twitter touted her South Carolina governor record and time that she spent as And I liked her as ambassador a lot. I thought she was a very good, tough ambassador. Haley identified numerous threats facing the country, including, well, the socialist left, Russia, and so on and so on. And if I get a chance, I'll go ahead and look that up and maybe play that message for you. What really got me was when I heard that message, I went looking for her announcement. And so much, I found it, but so much of it was television stations, news stations, or they call themselves news stations, with commentators reacting rather than just hearing what she has to say. They have to bring out all the commentators to react to her announcement. That's why I don't watch news channels anymore. Can you just play what she said, please? I can go ahead and judge for myself. All right, next story up real quick here. I did get this early this morning. If you're in southeastern Wyoming, we are getting winter weather. It starts today. Depending on where you are in Wyoming, you might get most of it this af- this morning, this afternoon, tonight, overnight. Campbell County area, it started there. For those people who are listening in Gillette, they have a winter advisory they call Level 1. So from the city of Gillette, a winter storm will impact the area of the city rights today and tonight, bringing heavy snow to portions of the northern Black Hills, foothills, along with northeastern Wyoming, on the northwestern and west-central Dakota Plains as well. Strong winds, lots of snow, slippery roads, bad visibility, etc., etc. So according to Gillette, level one threat means all vehicles must be removed from the designated snow emergency routes by midnight Tuesday That's midnight, Tuesday, February 14th, today. Vehicles not removed from the snow emergency routes by that time will be towed at the owner's expense. And then there's, I have a story up for you on the Wake Up Wyoming site. It talks about the different roads that are impacted by this. And the city of Gillette press release says, Level 1 winter emergency does not restrict travel. However, residents should expect adverse road conditions, including not limited to icy roads, reduced visibility, blowing and drifting snow. Level 1 emergency requires the removal of vehicles, which we just explained. And city facilities are just, the city's not going to be operating today and probably into tomorrow as well. And that's not just Campbell County. Crook and Western County as well have that emergency coming in. And that's, the storm hasn't hit yet, but it's on its way. So at some point today and into tonight and overnight, Everybody's going to get a little bit of this. Some people are going to get a lot of this. We'll have more information from Don Day at 6.45 this morning. 
He has an extended forecast, and at 7.45, I talk with him live. In the meantime, uh, there's this disclaimer. Warning. We're sorry, but due to winter conditions, Wyoming is closed. If you are interested in winter recreation or just passing through, we just can't help you right now. Honestly, we're okay with it. Y'all are crazy out there, and we needed a break. It's cold. Okay, so... Wyoming's not closed yet, but we're getting there anyway, so I'll keep you up to date on that. All right, now I was trying to figure out, those are the things I had to get out of the way right up front. I was trying to figure out what to open with today. Because, you know, waiting for more news on the spy balloon thing, fine. There's other stories out there as well. But then I came across this. Now and then I like to hand you a story that just sort of makes your day Something that's going to keep that stupid smirk on your face all day long, and you can't wait to tell your friends. This is it. Utah governor tells Californians, stay in California instead of coming to us as refugees. How bad has it gotten in California? The story says, this is Yahoo News, if you're from California and thinking about moving to Utah, think again. You may not be welcome. To the beehive state? They're the beehive state. I didn't know that. I wonder if Utah is going to build a wall. We tried here in Wyoming. It's called the Tetons, and someone put a mountain pass through. Governor Spencer Cox, Utah, said Friday that Californians should stay in California, in part because his state is beset by problems including housing and water shortages. Well, sure, you guys are socialists, too. What would you think? Cox, a Republican, delivered his remarks from the uh, White House last week alongside Governor Phil Murray, New Jersey, a Democrat, as well as a Washington National Governors Association. Murphy Ann Cox, who led the NGA, spoke to reporters about their meeting with uh, President Biden as they discussed border security. And then it comes to his own border security. Again, you want to put up a wall? So California can't get into Utah? In response to a question about population movement and what Utah is doing to bring in more residents, Cox says it's not working to attract more people. Utah is not trying to attack more people. This last census confirmed that Utah was the fastest growing state over the past 10 years. He said our biggest problem are more growth related. We would love for people to stay in California instead of coming as refugees to Utah. We feel the same way in Wyoming. We've lost the western part of the state. Someone left that west gate open by the Tetons. They leaked in. According to U.S. Census, Utah's population grew, and it gives the numbers. Um... The uh, Gardner Policy Institute at University of Utah found California accounts for the largest influx of people from Utah or into Utah from across the country. And, and then it gives you the numbers about how many people are leaking in. The study also found Utah's largest share of outbound domestic transplants went to California. But Cox said the state has grown quickly while it's simultaneously confronting ongoing water and housing supply dilemmas. A majority of the state's residents were affected by the West's horrific drought. 
And it goes on to talk about the drought monitor, which is coming to an end, by the way. And while Utah experienced record high building in 2021, it's still short about 31,000 units. And yet, people just keep pouring into Utah. So please, don't come to Utah, says the Utah governor. If you're from California, please just stay out. We don't need you as refugees. Now, my answer from Wyoming is the same thing here. Now, there are some people that I've met from California who really do fit here in Wyoming. In fact, I work with a couple of them right here. They originally were in California, and they escaped. And I'm glad they did. They're really good people. I just make sure that they sign the Wyoming Citizenship Pledge before they settle down. 615, Wake Up Wyoming. Coming up next time, download the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app, listen anywhere, and chat live with Glenn during the show on AM 1030 K2 Radio. Six nineteen's the time to wake up Wyoming. It is Tuesday. Yeah, there's some weather warnings out there, especially for northeast Wyoming. We'll keep you up to date on that. All right, since I was picking on California, if you're just joining me, yeah, the governor of the state of Utah is asking Californians, please don't come here. Don't be refugees. We really don't want you here. On that note, because I love picking on California, it's so easy to do. grid faces years of potential blackouts and failures as state leaders continue pushing aggressive measures to transition. Now, it says renewables, but they're not. They're not renewables. To transition into wind and solar. The state's grid, which is still mainly powered by, it says, fossil fuels. I'm going with organic fuels on that one. Because there's no such thing as a fossil fuel. I'll always be correcting that. I'll never win that fight, but I'm always going to be correcting that. It's undergoing a major shift from natural gas and coal to wind and solar. Simultaneously, state officials are pushing for an electrification of the economy. They want everybody driving electric cars, even though their grid cannot handle all those electric cars. Quote, California is drastically cutting our dependence on fossil fuels, they say, and cleaning our air. Democrat California Governor Newsom said November announcing unveiling the world's first detailed pathway to what he calls carbon neutrality because he's an idiot and he thinks that CO2 is a pollutant. All right. The state's plan involves goals to slash CO2 emissions by 85% and cut oil usage by 94%, which again is not 
possible and deploy more solar and wind capability over the next two decades. The aggressive plan, the story says, to overhaul the state's energy system came three months after the top California Environmental Agency moved forward with a rule requiring all new vehicle sales be electric by 2035, which just means that people who buy a gas-powered car are either going to buy used or buy them out of state. That's all that means. It's still going to happen. In 2021, the most recent year with data, wind and solar accounted for about 25% of total electricity generated in California. Well, now, hang on, because they say it's 25% of, no, it's always estimated. It's like when they build a new wind farm and they say to you, well, we're going to get this much power out of that wind farm. And it never achieves, that's potential energy that they could get out of it. But the wind farm never achieves that much energy. So when they say, on paper, about 25% of our energy here in California is from wind and solar. No, it's not. Potentially, it could be, but it never reaches that. Natural gas was about half, they said. And about 19% of all new car sales were... Now, here's another one. I, I've got to correct this. About 90, About 19% of new car sales in California were zero emission. Well... Problem with that is there's no such thing as a zero emission car. It doesn't exist. Experts told Fox, this is what I don't like. This is a Fox News story. And yet every single step of the way they fall into the narrative and use the language of the environmental extremists on the left. Experts told Fox News Digital environmental mandates implemented by Newsom and his administration have already created instability in the grid, an issue they argued would only get worse as existing organic fuel power generation capacity was taken offline and replaced by what is an intermittent source. Quote, they're going to have to build an outrageous amount of wind and solar in a very short period of time if they want to accomplish their objectives of electrifying everything using wind and solar. Our whole transportation sector and our whole home heating and cooling, they want electrical. Well, quote, there's a burden to the consumer that's going to be heavy. Even if they could pull it off without blackouts, imagine how high the price of electricity is going to be. This is going to get expensive. So another myth of wind and solar is that, well, it's such a cost-effective way. It's so cheap. It is not. It's ex as outrageously expensive. Over the summer, California Independent System Operation, the state's electric grid operator, repeatedly warned that high demand would drain providers and supply. They issued Energy Alert 3 status, the highest alert level, at one point in September. That's though they had rotating brownouts and blackouts. And that's when they asked people who had electric vehicles, could you not charge them for a while because you're really sucking the grid? They're already suff suffering, said Myron Ibel, a director of the Competitive Enterprise Institute. He... Uh, said, quote, in, they're in fact telling people that they're going to have to start shutting off natural gas to houses and convert to electricity. But you see, they don't have the electricity to do that. 
They're also forcing people to buy electric vehicles. But then they tell these people, but you can't charge your electric vehicles because we don't have the power to do that. In its annual report, North American Electric Reliability Cooperation, or NERC, as they call themselves, nonpartisan grid watchdog, stated that California faced a very high risk of energy capacity shortfall in the coming years, particularly during the summer months as a result. Now, let's bring this to Wyoming. Because they still want to, and they're still pushing to shut down some coal power plants here in Wyoming. One of the things that we enjoy, we have a big cool front coming to our area. Yeah, we have some hot days in the summertime. But we have a big cool front. It's our winter times that really do it. And what I love to point out, the last big cold snap that we had, where I'm at, the temperature dropped to minus 42 overnight. But I was all snug in my home. Most everybody was snug. And and that's because of the reliable energy that we have. For those who have all electric houses, well, that's your coal and natural gas power plants, providing us a reliable, affordable electricity. It stays affordable until they force us to do things like carbon sequestration. Then the price gets out of hand. But if they want to get to wind and solar power, it's not going to be reliable anymore. We've been through all that, right? So the story says, the intermittent nature of wind and solar, meaning they produce less power relative to the total general capacity and instability, this not green energy development, and government officials often highlight total capacity of what they call renewable power, but it's not renewable, but the main, they fail to mention how much actual power. And this goes back to what I was saying earlier. Because they'll say, well, if we put up this solar farm, it will generate this much energy. Potentially, but it never reaches its potential. Solar power, for example, they say it was supposed to produce about 25. Well, it was actually supposed to produce a lot more than that. It Again, it never reaches potential. The only way electrification of the transportation center and home heating and cooling can work is if they go back to natural gas and coal. If everybody starts driving an EV in California, the the electric vehicle, the only way that they can do that is if they started using natural gas and coal. Total capacity of the state's natural gas power plant has fallen 15%. Because it keeps shutting them down. In April, the governor of California forced a reverse a reverse course and put some natural gas plants back online because wind and solar wasn't doing what they said it was going to do. California also imports electricity more than any other state, getting up to 30% of its supplies from out of state. That includes Wyoming. Another potential hurdle for California's grid stability is the need for new transmission lines and infrastructure, which is falling apart on them. So they've created a massive problem, in which case I say, okay, uh, I guess they're going to have to learn it the hard way. Let them. Not that they weren't warned. Morning, sister dear. My sister in Lake Wales, Florida, waking up right now. Uh, California refugee bought the house next to us. We do like them, but it was funny when they thought our weather would be the same. Dude, it rains here much more than in the desert. That's true. All right, coming up on some local news that we have to take care of. Pay attention to that weather forecast because cold and snow in northeast Wyoming is potentially going to get 
hammered. Let's wake up, Wyoming. All sorts of guys out there went, oh my God, it's Valentine's Day. Don't forget it by the end of your workday. In fact, just go ahead and order her something that will arrive where she's at home or work, wherever she is. Just get it done. Or you'll end up coming home with nothing, and then you'll remember that I told you so. And most of you are not going to, I'll do that, then you won't, and I told you so, I'll tell you now. All right, since I was picking on, once again, California, their electrical grid, they want more and more and more electrification through wind and solar and electric cars and stuff like that. But they're not producing the energy to do it because they're going wind and solar, right? Here's a story, Cowboy State Daily. Farming without organic fuels, coal, gas, and oil. What emission reductions could mean for agriculture? Story says when it comes to carbon dioxide emissions, which is not a pollutant, by the way, I'll say that every time. No industry's output is beyond the scrutiny of the cult of climate change. I'm editing the article as I read it. Including agriculture, in the past decade, campaigns against modern fertilizers, diesel fuel, cow perps and farts, are leading to regulations that are killing farms in Europe. Some proposed regulations in the U.S., are moving in the same direction because we can't see the mistake Europe is making. We're just determined to make the same mistakes here. The world, the story says, has made incredible advances in producing food and reducing malnutrition rates despite the increase in population. So the world population has boomed, but we have a massive surplus in food. As in the case with many industries, the story says the benefit to mankind take a backseat to reducing the amount of CO2 because of the cult of climate change. Yeah, again, I'm editing as I go. Brett Maloney, Director, Public Government Affairs, Wyoming Farm Bureau Federation, told Cowboy State Daily, regardless of intentions, bad policies will end up hurting everyone. Quote, the consumer would either go hungry or pay a heck of a lot more to have reliable, safe food. Just like with your power at home, have reliable, safe energy. So, for example, in the United States, the agricultural sector has a share of the gross domestic product a measured value of goods and products that's dropped about 45% in 19 I'm sorry 1839 to less than 1% in 2016 in other words we got that good effectively much less of the US economy is dedicated to producing food from 200 years ago but we're producing more than ever this is a remarkable achievement when viewed at world hunger rates developing countries are again there's fewer and fewer actual farmers and the farms are smaller but they're producing more than ever it's amazing what they're doing farming in developing countries today uses a lot of petroleum products besides diesel fuel power machinery they're also in the production of modern fertilizers which requires ammonia fertilizers have especially when combined with uh, precision farming equipment that generally increases the efficiency of a chemical use, increases yields, allowing farmers to produce far more food on less and less land. Ammonia manufacturing contributes about 2% to the worldwide CO2 emissions, according to the Royal Society United Kingdom. In 2020, agriculture in the U.S. contributed about 
According to Climate Watch, cropland, crop burning, rice cultivation, agricultural soils, livestock, and manure were about 16.2% of total global greenhouse emissions. That's why they want you to eat bugs. And again, this is where, no, they do. And this is where, again, the cult of climate change gets it wrong, looking at CO2 as a pollutant, as something that's bad. In fact, sitting behind, hang on. DJ up in Gillette got this for me. I've done this before. I have this, hear this? That's a uh, little water bottle that I keep with me. And it says on the bottle, warning, dihydrogen monoxide. And it talks about all of the horrible things that dihydrogen monoxide does to the planet and why it should be banned and why I shouldn't be drinking this in this bottle. Yes, I sit, I sit here in the morning talking to you guys, sipping on dihydrogen monoxide. <gasps> it's just horrible pollutant. Dihydrogen monoxide is the chemical name for water. Yeah. So when you talk about carbon and carbon pollution, without CO2, everything that I just described in agriculture and so many other things wouldn't be possible because CO2 is necessary. Just like oxygen and water are necessary for plant and animal growth, for you being alive, so is you know, water, air, let me see, CO2, that's right. Without it, this is a dead planet. If you took water away, this is a dead planet. Take oxygen away, this is a dead planet. Take CO2 away, this is a dead planet. 642, wake up Wyoming. This weather update. It's in your pocket with the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app. This is AM 1030 K2 Radio. 648 is the time off to the icebox. We go. Frank Campino waiting by, which it will soon be an icebox, because here comes another one of those winter weather. You know, it's win- it's winter. So yeah, I been. know. I, I'm not happy okay. about it either, but it's winter. Okay, I'll give you some uh, good news here. You and I get to sit back and laugh at all of the guys who are under pressure to remember Valentine's Day. Well, yeah, well, yeah. We're, we've been off the hook for years. That's yeah, okay. But now here, here's the good news, though, for those guys. Valentine's Day this year falls on Taco Tuesday. Doesn't it always? I, I don't know. Is it always Tuesday? Yeah, it's always Tuesday. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, Valentine's Day is Taco Tuesday then. So that you can go ahead and combine the two if you want. Well, sold. Okay. <laughs> sold. Because the odds of remembering Valentine's Day, no. Oh, well, I, I'll tell you. It's the cottage industry. Yeah, it really is. Of, of no, if yeah. you are blind... To not understand that va- yeah. Valentine's Day is coming up. Yeah, it was all started, of course, by... Wasn't it started by Hallmark? I don't know who started it. I think it was. I thought, I maybe, think, uh, I thought it was a saint named if, Valentine. Yeah, I know that, but I mean, as far as giving out cards and all that kind of stuff, there, I think it was the Hallmark card company that came up and said, well, you're supposed to do something on this day here. So well, you're supposed to, yes. Yeah, right. But let's make money on it, too. So get her a taco. Right, you know, right. With I, a card. Well, in fact, in fact, wait a second now. I, hmm. See, Miss Mary, I'm going to have to go back and update the article that I wrote in this because you don't have to take her to some expensive restaurant. Mm, yeah, you it's do. Taco Tuesday. And then you go to an expensive Mexican restaurant no, you don't for have tacos. To, no, just just go get her a taco. 
Why does it have to be? Does it have to be? You know, it does have to be an expensive taco, doesn't it? <laughs> do, do you wonder why you're alone, Glenn? Yeah, no. <laughs> I, I mean, I could have gotten her like a buy one get one taco thing, but no, Boy, no, wow. no, 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 no. She wants to go to the pricey restaurant and get a taco. Yes, exactly. Yeah, with right. with with different kinds of sauces, just you stuff know? like that. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. All right, just 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 go with it. Men's college basketball, the Wyoming Cowboys will try it again. They'll be in Albuquerque tonight to meet New Mexico. The Pokes are in the midst of a forgettable season. They are 2-10 and 10 in Mountain West Conference play, 7-17 and 17 overall. UW has seven, had seven scholarship players available in their loss to Boise State over the weekend due to injuries and departures. New Mexico is looking to break a three-game losing streak. They sit at 19-6 and six overall, 6-6 six and six in league play. That's an 8 p.m. start from the pit tonight. We'll have that for you on K2 Radio and Casper. And KOWB in Laramie. Girls high school basketball, Casper and Eternal lost to Sheridan last night, 51-43. In the latest girls standings, first and four A, Cheyenne's 15 and 2, Laramie 15 and 4, Cheyenne Central 10 and 7, the Trona 9 and 9, Kelly Walsh 3 and 13, Cheyenne South 1 and 17, and Glenrock uh, in 3A, Glenrock is 8 and 7, in 2A Burns is 9 and 12, and 1A KC 5 and 10, and Midwest is 1 and 12. On the boys' side in high school basketball yesterday, Sheridan beat the Trona 66-47. In the latest boys' standings, Cheyenne East 16 and 2, Central 12 and 7, Laramie 9 and 10, Natrona 8 and 9, Kelly Wall 7 and 9, Kelly Cheyenne South 4 and 14, and 3A Glenrock is 8 and 8, and then Burns is 2 in 2A, Burns is 6 and 15, and 1A KC 4 and 12, and Midwest 4 and 14. High school track and field from over the weekend. Uh, the indoor circuit ran through uh, Casper on Saturday. On the boys' side, Gage Goss of Lander won three events the 55 meter dash, the 55 hurdles, and the 400. Drew Guevara of Cheyenne East won the 200. Natrona's check. Jackson Dutcher won the 800 as teammate Tristan Enders was victorious in the 1600. Cheyenne Central's Bridger Brokaw won the 3200. And sees Caden Lee won the high jump as teammate Bridger Anderson won the long jump. Kelly Walsh's Landon Walker won the triple jump. On the girls' side, Natrona's, Natrona's Ella Spear won the 200 and the 400. Her teammate Sage Gustafson took the 55. Cheyenne Central's Sydney Morrell placed first in the 800. And sees Ashley Gross won the 1600. Central's Avery Paraton won the two mile. Her teammate Nigeria Wiley Ramirez won the 55 hurdles. Avery Slade of Burns Pine Bluffs took the high jump. Talia Morris of Cheyenne East plays first in the long jump. Central's Brinkley Lewis won the pole vault and Tegan Becker of Kelly Walsh took the podium in the shot put. In football, former three-time All-Pro offensive lineman Conrad Dobler passed away at the age of 72. He played at Wyoming starting in 1968 and was drafted by the NFL St. Louis Cardinals in the fifth round in 1972. He started 125 games on the O-line from 1972 to 1981 with three different teams. And in 1977, he made the cover of Sports Illustrated as pro football's dirtiest player. Like Pigpen? Well, no, like like kicking people in oh, the head. Oh, okay. I, and I, punching people and spitting okay, on that's people. Kind of, well, then and cheap shotting people. Throw him out and don't let him back. Yeah. I'm wondering if I if he used to own a bar in yeah. Riverside, Wyoming. I probably down by did, Down by yeah. Encampment. This is a long time ago. I, I could be wrong, but I, I got to look that up. I always did like watching those uh, soccer players. Who pretend they get hit? Oh no, Conrad Dobler. There's no pretending. No, no he's not. He, he, he's the real he, deal. Yeah, he, he 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 got people hurting. Okay. So what's the consequences of that? Well, he's he made the cover of Sports Illustrated okay. in 1977 <laughs> as the NFL's dirtiest player. Uh, hopefully not the swimsuit edition. Uh, no. No. Oh, okay. Thank you, Frank. Coming up on some local business, we have to take care. We're going to roll into news time. National local update on your weather forecast. It's Wake Up Wyoming.
Winter is here. Seven oh six. The time. Wake up, Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Morning. I'm checking out some things for you weather-wise. So I'm putting the stories I have for you aside for just a moment. And let's take a look at some weather conditions. So if I-80 John, who lives in the area between Cheyenne and Laramie up in High Point there, you must be getting pounded by some heavy winds according to what I'm looking at right here. Also, if you're wanting to drive from Laramie way over to Rawlins, and that includes even if you wanted to go up and around through Medicine Bow, Hannah, you know, places like that. Uh, yeah, YDOT just has a warning right now, high wind watch, white knuckle driving, in other words. Now, so far, the only thing you really have to worry about with any kind of, nothing's closed yet, but if you go to northern Wyoming, let's say up in Sheridan, Ranchester area, Dayton, that area, the highways are starting to get really sketchy down into Buffalo, and from Buffalo, I-90, heading toward Gillette. Still open, but really sketchy at this point. And there is a weather advisory in effect for northeast Wyoming. In fact, Gillette has put up, the city of Gillette, has put out a weather advisory for some severe storms because the wind the snow, which has not gotten to you yet, but it's on its way. I do have non-day coming up at 745 because it, the entire state will get something out of this. As always, some people worse than others, but it's just starting to move into the state. Some cold weather, a lot of snow coming down. I'll keep you up to date as that comes in. A couple of stories that I'm just monitoring right now. I just heard on the news, top of the hour, and I listen to something different than what you listen to in most cases. I heard this one. A recall has been issued for about 56,000 COVID-19 rapid tests. Yeah, according to this, these tests have been recalled according to Universal MedTech Inc. Company issued a nationwide recall. Kits could potentially cause inaccurate test results. So if you have one of those kits, look into that. But there's people who want to test themselves for COVID, and they're probably not getting an accurate test result when they do that. All right. Then there's this story I came across. Interesting headline. New cars are only for the rich now as automakers rake in profits. Now, when I see us, this is Bloomberg news. So consider the source when, you know, who Bloomberg is. Pre-pandemic era, chip shortage is fading. Manufacturers are keeping investors low and prices high. The shifts to EV will make things worse. A shiny new car in the driveway has been the emblem of a middle-class prosperity for generations. But for the typical American family, it's now a dream. And here's where Bloomberg gets something like this wrong. I know that right now new car prices are high. I get and Bloomberg, by the way, it's supposed to be a financial news network. And yet what little I just read right there, they're getting wrong. They don't understand how capitalism really works. The idea that, well, they're keeping your prices really high on automobiles because they're raking in profits. 
evil capitalist. That's not how it works. Um, Walmart is not so successful because they have high prices. Walmart is successful because of their low prices. In fact, when the automobile first came out, it was a, an expensive item that only a few rich people could afford. Most people could never even imagine owning an automobile. It was so out of their price range. It was Henry Ford who came along with the idea of building them in a factory assembly line, reducing the cost. His idea was to make the automobile so affordable that anybody could own one. And so now today, who doesn't have one? I meet someone occasionally who can't afford a car, but you know that's something that they can fix. They've always been able to. You've always been able to buy something affordable, even new. I mean, used cars, really affordable. But even new cars, there's always been something out there. Thank you, Henry Ford, for the invention of the affordable automobile. And automobile manufacturers understand that this is where their profit is. So when I look at a Bloomberg story here, well, the reason those new car prices are so high is those automakers... They're just trying to keep it high because they're raking in record profits, evil that they are. No, they understand. Look, some things are keeping car, new car prices really high right now. But in the long run, automobile manufacturers know that the real profit is making automobiles that are affordable to the average American. So the Bloomberg story is written by someone who doesn't understand basic economics. The same thing happens when you see gas prices spike, right, skyrocket. Right away, you'll hear people say, well, it's those evil oil companies raking in record profits. Oil companies realize that there's a bell curve there. They'll charge as much as they can charge to make maximum profit, of course. But they also realize that they charge too much then people use less gasoline. Okay? People don't drive as much. You don't take your vacations, your weekend drives, stuff like that. You cut back. And so they make less. In the long there might be a spike in how much they make in the short term, but in the long run, they lose money when gasoline prices are that high. So the idea that, well, prices are so high because they're profiteering off of, no. If they wanted to profiteer, they would make the price affordable so anybody would just go ahead and fill up and take a weekend road trip. Same thing goes for your automobile as well. So I, I'm reading this Bloomberg story thinking, who's the idiot who wrote this? Yes, car prices are really high right now, but in the long run, your automobile manufacturer will want to lower those prices. Now, also, Bloomberg assumes, since everybody's switching over to electric vehicle, look, I look at electric vehicles this way. Remember a little while ago, a couple years ago, they came out with the Impossible Burger. They tried to sell you on the idea of eating artificial meat. All right. And there was a bit of a spike as people tried it out of curiosity. Fast food restaurants had it. Your grocery stores carried it. And I even, here at the radio studios, we even had a little taste testing just to see, well, what does this taste like? And so my opinion was, 
Yeah, it was, it was good. You know, the flavor was good. But I want a burger. I, I really want a burger. And I understand that just a straight burger is actually far more nutritious and better for me, safer for me even, than eating one of these Impossible Burgers. So in the long run, the prices of Impossible Burgers are, well, they're outrageous compared to just a regular burger. But still, the availability, the popularity is fading. The popularity of the fake meat substitute things that they want you to eat is fading. The section in the grocery store where they sell artificial meats is getting smaller and smaller. And the same thing is happening. Yes, there is that initial spike in the electric vehicle market. But that, over time, begins to fade as you hear stuff like this. This increased our range to 98 miles after waiting around for 45 minutes. But the real question, how much did it cost? I am actually in shock right now. We just sat here for 41 minutes. It cost me $19.80, and we added an additional 64 miles for $20. It is more expensive to charge an EV, plus we had to sit here for 41 minutes. It's a scam. The whole thing is a scam. So more and more people are getting upset with their electric vehicles. They buy them, and then they have a problem with them, like the one you just heard right there. And then they decide, well, this isn't worth it, so they get rid of it. So I can see that initial bump in electric vehicles because people have heard the hype, and they bought into the hype. But then they actually buy one and try to use it, and, oh, this isn't working out. It's not less expensive, and all the other problems that come with it. So... When I go, let's go back to the Bloomberg story. So the, those new car makers out there, they're keeping the prices high because they're profiteering. And, and this is what the Bloomberg story is saying. So cars will only be for rich people. New cars, anyway, will only be for rich people. Nonsense. Whoever wrote that article for Bloomberg and whoever their editor is doesn't understand how the markets work. Automobile manufacturers know that the average American person, the average citizen, would love to have a new car. And they would love to provide one for you. And so they'll figure out how to do that at an affordable price. And those prices will come down as they do that. 716 is the time. Wake up, Wyoming. News, weather, and a pocket full of opinions. Wake up, Wyoming, with Glenn Woods on K2 Radio. Twenty-two is the time. Let's wake up, Wyoming. All right, so I wanted... Actually, I was going to go on to something else, but I'm not going to. I'm going to pick up Bloomberg for just a moment more. But this has a lot to do with oftentimes what you read in media articles. And you got to ask yourself, even if it's supposed to be a major publication, did they do their homework? Really, did they? If you're just missing, I came across an article from Bloomberg, which is supposed to be a financial news source. And Bloomberg has an article where, well, those automakers, only rich people will be able to afford automobiles the way that they're a new car, a new car. Only rich people will be able to afford them. And I'm looking at this thinking, that's nonsense. The prices might be high right now for some obvious reasons that we've been through in this economy. The price of everything is kind of high right now. But your automobile manufacturers don't want to keep them high. Henry Ford started it. As I said earlier, originally the automobile 
could only be purchased by rich people. Then Henry Ford figured out a way to make it affordable for the average person. And ever since then, if you wanted to buy a new car, the average person could. So the prices are high right now because of economic issues facing the entire country. So Bloomberg needs to understand that automobile manufacturers want to lower those prices because they know most of the market is with the average American, not a few rich people. If you want to get rich, do what like your dollar stores do. Do what Walmart does, what Kmart does. Low prices. It's a volume business. All right. In fact, you even hear car dealers, those ones that scream at the camera. Yeah, they're screaming at the camera. Volume, how do we get to prices so low? Volume, volume. I decided to look it up because here again is a supposedly a major publication and whoever's writing the article and whoever the editor is didn't seem to understand basic economics. Let's take a look at something right now. I just took a look at a list of affordable new cars and and pickup trucks and so on. Now, some people might think, oh, yeah, you're talking forty, forty-five thousand dollars $40,000, $60,000. doesn't have to be that. See, it depends. Again, we're specifically talking new here, right? What kind of options do you want? Did you want to get all the bells and whistles or not? Because if you get more of a stripped-down version, if you don't have all of the accessories in there, you save a ton of money. To name a few, here's one, the Kia Rio, 16000 Subaru has one for 19000 Mitsubishi Mirage, 16000 Hyundai has one for 20000 Nissan Versa is 15000 uh, here's one for twenty-two. Here's a nineteen thousand dollar car, twenty-two thousand dollar car, nineteen thousand dollar car. Okay, so you get the idea. By today's now, I remember when new cars were a lot less expensive, but that was like decades ago. So you got to adjust all of this for inflation. But you got prices that I'm looking at anywhere from sixteen thousand on up to twenty some thousand for a new vehicle. So when you're talking your average middle class family. Uh, or person on your average middle class wage, you can go ahead and get vehicles like this at prices like this that are actually uh, good vehicles that you can drive for a long time at a reasonable price. Now, that's just a quick glance that I did at what would be affordable. And a lot of these I know you're looking at, well, those are all foreign cars. Well, here's a Chevrolet Trailblazer, uh, 22,000. But again, what kind of options? I even found a while ago, there were some pickup trucks out there. New. New pickup trucks. I don't know how available they are right now, but there were some new pickup trucks out there that were in the $16,000 range. So you can go ahead, unlike what Bloomberg said, and buy a new vehicle at much more of a reasonable price by today's standards, which means the Bloomberg article is completely wrong. And I wonder, who is it that's doing research for Bloomberg? Not just the reporter, but let's take a look at the editor that this had to go through. And nobody stopped and said, wait a second, that's not exactly right. Oftentimes on this program, you hear me picking on, it's supposed to be a website that does financial research and so on, called WalletHub. And I've picked on them so many times for just really, really lousy 
I can't even use the word research because it's not even research. They have no idea what they're doing. They, they'll come in and say, you know, worst drivers, they actually did a story like this, worst drivers in America are from Wyoming. And how they came to that conclusion was just the dumbest thing. And I said, well, here's how, here's how this worked. Wyoming drivers have a lot of insurance claims. Therefore, they're the worst in the country. Okay, hang on. Um, the islands I grew up on, we were lucky if we were able to drive at 35 miles an hour. Yeah, it's a small island. There's not a lot of roads. Everybody's going really slow. You should see the traffic during tourist season. Talk about crawling and gridlock. That's when the islands were discovered. So how often do people get into a wreck and make an insurance claim? Well, their, their drivers must be brilliant where I grew up, right? Because they never make insurance claims? Or is it just really easy to drive there? All right. Now drive in Wyoming. Even when the weather's good, driving on Wyoming, not just highways, but back roads and so on, can be really hazardous. Now throw in wintertime. And how hazardous does it get? So you see why we would have more insurance claims than someplace else. That doesn't make us lousy drivers. That means it's more hazardous to drive here. So now I go back to the Bloomberg story. Those companies, those car companies, they want to keep car prices high because they're making huge profits. No. They, the car company understands if they want to make huge prices, they need to lower the price of an automobile so the average person can afford it. Bloomberg has no idea what they're talking about. That's your news source, what's supposed to be a major news outlet, and they can't even get that right. But it doesn't surprise me. Whoever wrote the article graduated from high school and learned high school economics from a high school teacher and then went to college and was further screwed up with their economic understanding by college professors that don't understand economics. Coming up on 7.30, local news coming your way, update on your weather forecast. Don Day and I will talk about incoming harsh weather at 7.45. Wake up, Wyoming. Here in America, if the government keeps doing what it's doing, even those on the left who support this government will start having a hard time, and they'll step away. That doesn't mean they become conservatives and put on MAGA hats, but they're not going to put up with this anymore. Fingerprints of unvaccinated New York City teachers sent to FBI with problem codes. Yeah, this person's a problem. The fingerprints of unvaccinated New York City teachers were reportedly sent to the FBI with a problem code flag, prompting outrage from educators who lost their jobs over the mandate. Earlier this month, John Bursch, who is representing teachers who are suing the city over the mandate, said teachers who refuse the shot now have a flag in their file, which will impact their ability to get another job. Well, maybe in New York, go somewhere else. You know, get get away from that socialism in New York. When quote this is a quote here. When the city puts those problem codes on employees who have been terminated because of their unconstitutional policies, not only do they have this flag in their file, but their fingerprints are sent with flags to the FBI and New York Criminal Justice Service. So it impacts our ongoing ability to get employment, even in some other places. We'll take you here in Wyoming, though. 
Just don't vote Democrat anymore, right? Rachel Garcia, former New York City teacher who lost her job, she refused to get the COVID vaccine, joined Fox and Friends on Tuesday discussing what she calls infuriating allegations as to why she's concerned. She just doesn't like this whole overreach. Quote, this is both outrageous and infuriating because my first question to the government or whatever is basically, what did I do? What kind of criminal activity did I participate in besides denying something that I felt was not right for me? She said, religiously, mentally, I just don't want anything experimental going into my body. So what criminal activity does that preset? I I don't understand, she continued. Like, why am I being flagged? Why is my fingerprint being sent to the FBI? Really good questions. Here's our man in Cheyenne with a Wyoming legislative update. This Wyoming legislative update. Woods, on air, online, and on the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app. Be part of the show at 888-97-WOODS. This is K2 Radio. 7.45 is the time off. We go to talk to Don Day from Dayweather. So Grandpa Rich in Thermopolis says he's got the big fat flakes coming down right now. And several cities in northeastern Wyoming, including Gillette, Wyoming, the cities have offer, offered up a weather watch because, well, here it comes, Don. Yeah, here it comes. And you mentioned Thermopolis. That's one place that uh, this type of front comes in just at the right angle against the north face of the Owl Creek Mountains there on the other side of Wind River Canyon. It can make it really snow a lot in Hot Springs County. So that area is going to see significant snow. But you mentioned it, the up north, uh, the, the snow is developing in the northern counties and will be sliding into the central parts of the state later today. And into tonight. And as we talked yesterday, Glenn, there's two enhanced areas of snow, central and northern Wyoming, southern Montana, western South Dakota. Then later tonight and tomorrow, another enhanced area of snow that's going to be down into Colorado, into Kansas and Nebraska. Uh, So the central and northern parts of the state, Glenn, I think three to eight inches of snow will cover it for most of the areas. There will be pockets of more in some locations. Down around Laramie, Cheyenne, the I-80 corridor is going to snow, but the amounts of snow are going to be more like in the one to three range. And there's a lot of cold. It is going to go below zero in many areas tomorrow night. And there's the next thing I was going to get to, that lot of cold. So I guess in the northern part of the state, that is that cold already arriving it is. Yeah. Uh, the the real cold is going to be as skies clear uh, okay. uh, with fresh snow on the ground tomorrow night. So there's plenty of cold coming in with this front, but uh, we're going to generate a lot of cold over the snow-covered basins and valleys. A lot of a lot of the central, west-central valleys of the state will be 5, 15 below tomorrow night. Oh, wow. Okay, so how long does that stick with us? Well, it's going to be a pretty darn chilly day Thursday, but the snow and the storm will be moving out. And we're actually going to see kind of a repeat. We're going to see good weather again Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Kind of not unlike what happened last past weekend where the timing of these systems is that the weather is decent over the weekend. Although, not so sure if we can go through all of Sunday because there's another front arriving late Sunday night and Monday. There's another front arriving around Wednesday and Thursday of next week. So, we're going to have gaps between these fronts where the temperatures are moderate and we'll have a couple of dry days but it's a be about every three days there's going to be something coming okay this is i'll tell you what this reminds me of when i was listening to your morning podcast for cowboy state daily as in my youth i grew up in those islands and i would love to sit on the beach and watch as a wave would crash 
and then the water would pull out, and then the next wave crashes, and the water pulls out again. And I'm watching that with the temperatures and the snow. It's like it warms up, everything pulls out, and then here comes the next crash again, one after the next, over the next week or so. No, that's a great analogy, because actually what the atmosphere is with weather, if you were to do a cross-section, look at what the atmosphere does in 3D, it's a series of waves. And so it's the same thing that you find throughout nature. There's a wave function in about everything, and, and the atmosphere is no different. All right. Thank you, Don. Don Day from Day Weather. Well, there you go. One after the next. So we just got uh, a couple of cold days, and it maybe warms up a bit over the weekend. Speaking of icebox, let's head on over to the icebox. Frank Gambino waiting by. Hey, Frank, I came across this story. I actually did watch the video of it. Did you hear about the cheerleader ejected from the college game? No. Okay, so you can watch this. I know that uh, Fox News has it up right now. There's some other sites. So here's a college basketball game, and uh, this player jumps up and slam dunks one in, and when he lands, there was a cheerleader who was cheering that on, and she's sort of jumping up, you know, the midair split thing? Yeah. And they bump into each other. This is from the same team? Uh, I, I don't. No, I'd have to go back. I don't think they were on the same team, no. But, okay, the game moves down to the other side of the court. When the ball comes back, oh, she is not happy that he bumped into her. Well, then they must have been, maybe, (laughs) they lived in the same dorm. Well, I don't know, but she walks out onto the floor and confronts him. At that point, though, when that was because the player walked over to the coach and security and pointing to her going, the hell. And so they ejected her. They just walked over and very, you could see they very politely, I'll send you the story on your Facebook. Oh, that'd be. Very politely, they have a conversation with her and they walk her out. And I don't think she understands. I do wonder, even though I'm not a sports fan, I understand. A game like basketball, people run into each other. I, I don't know. Uh, maybe something was said? It didn't look that well. I'll let you watch the video. You tell me. Well, but happy I, Valentine's Day to them both, I guess. I you know? guess. Okay. Well, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say his chances with her are done. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But they didn't look like... I don't <laughs> see... It doesn't look like they're on the same team. They're not wearing the same kind of colors here. Okay. But, hey, young lady, if you're cheerleading right there, pretty much under the net... And a player bumps into you after a shot like that. Well, you were right smack under the net, weren't you? Yeah, but yeah. It, 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 there's collisions there all the time. Yeah, you know? so I, maybe so the because player walked, and the photographers and the cheerleader go, "Oh, yeah. sorry, sorry, you okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah." Maybe, maybe because on. he walked off without saying sorry or well, something possibly. like that. Maybe that was it there. Or he may. I think it, it wasn't exactly. I think the action. This is not even yeah. seeing it. It was either a look. Uh, or he uh, said something to her. Well, we'll ta- I'll let you watch it, and we'll talk about it next hour. All right, sounds good. Men's college basketball, the Wyoming Cowboys will try it again. They'll be in Albuquerque tonight to take on New Mexico. The Pokes are in the midst of a forgettable season. They sit at 2-10 and 10 in Mountain West play, 7-17 and 17 overall. UW had seven scholarship players available in their loss against Boise State over the weekend due to injuries and departures. New Mexico is looking to break a three-game losing streak. They sit at 19-6 and six overall, 6-6 six and six in league play. That's an 8 p.m. start tonight from the pit.
We'll have that for you on K2 Radio and Casper and KCGY and Laramie. In girls high school basketball, Casper and the Toronto lost to Sheridan last night, 51-43. In the latest girls standings, first and four A, Cheyenne East is 15 and two, Laramie 15 and four, Cheyenne Central 10 and seven, the Toronto 9 and nine, Kelly Walsh 3 and 13, Cheyenne South 1 and 17 and 3A. The Glenrock girls are 8 and 7 and 2A Burns is 9 and 12. KC is 5 and 10 and Midwest is 1 and 12. On the boys side, Sheridan beat Natrona last night 66-47. In the latest boys standing, Cheyenne East is 16 and 2, Cheyenne Central 12 and 7, Laramie 9 and 10, Natrona 8 and 9, Kelly Wall 7 and 9. Cheyenne South is 4 and 14. In 3A, Glenrock is 8 and 8 and 2A Burns is 6 and 15. 1A, KC is 4 and 12 and Midwest is 4 and 14. High school indoor track and field from over the weekend. The indoor circuit ran through Casper on Saturday. On the boys' side, Gage Goss of Lander won three events. The 55-meter dash, the 55 hurdles, and the 400. Drew Guevara of Cheyenne East won the 200. The Tronas Jackson Dutcher won the 800. His teammate Tristan Enders won the 1600. Cheyenne Central's Bridger Brokaw took the 3200. And sees Caden Lee won the high jump. His teammate Bridger Anderson won the long jump. Kelly Walsh's Landon Walker took the triple jump. On the girls' side, the Tronas Ella Spear won the 200 and the 400. Her teammate Sage Gustafson took the 55. Cheyenne Central Sydney Morrell took first in the 800. NC's Ashley Gross won the 1600, and Central's Avery Paraton won the two-mile. Her teammate Nigeria Wiley Ramirez won the 55 hurdles. Avery Slade of Burns Pine Bluffs won the high jump. Talia Morris of Cheyenne's placed first in the long jump. Central's Brinkley Lewis took the pole vault, and Tegan Becker of Kelly Walsh was on top of the podium in the shot put. In football, former three-time All-Pro offensive lineman Conrad Dobler passed away at the age of 72 down in Pueblo, Colorado. He played at Wyoming starting in 1968 and was drafted by the NFL St. Louis Cardinals in the fifth round in 1972. In the NFL, he started 125 games from 1972 through 1981 with three different teams. And in 1977, he made the cover of Sports Illustrated as pro football's dirtiest player. Yuck. Again, yes. I just think peak pain every time. Okay, so I did. I consulted a certified attractive woman, uh, Miss Mary. Oh, yes. Okay, and asked when does Valentine's Day hit. Now. And uh, she, she said not always on a Tuesday. It's the 14th. Oh. So that could be a Wednesday or a Monday or whatever. But this time, it does hit on Taco Tuesday. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. So for those guys who are going, oh, my Lord, is that today? Yeah, go get her a taco. And as we decided last hour, you're not going to get away with some cheapo taco in a bag. You need no, to take her no, to no. a nice taco yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. And maybe they're on sale because it's Tuesday. I'm hoping so. So Valentine's Day, Taco Tuesday. You can't miss, guys. Don't lose awesome. us. And, right. and, and a girl would know that. Yeah, thank you, Frank. Coming up on some local business that we have to take care of. News time after that national local update on your weather forecast. Wake up my own. This February, I'm just going to lay it out here, and you tell me what the difference is. So a big story, which needs to be a big story, there's a shooting at a university, MSU is what they're calling it, and it looks like, let's see how many people were shot. This is Michigan State University. So, okay, number of victims here. I'm trying to see what the number, I saw eight shot. I want to say it was six killed. That was the last number that I got. Okay. And then they released the name of the gunman involved in this. So, of course, this major news all morning long that at Michigan State University, somebody who appears to be just a nutball, really, 
when they talk about who the guy is, and I'm giving you the Reader's Digest version of it, went in and shot some people. Okay, that needs to be a major story. Now, here's what isn't. A U-Haul driver, some guy rented a U-Haul in New York City and went on a rampage driving through crowds of people. Story says a man driving a U-Haul truck swerved into sidewalks, plowing down people, cyclists, scooter riders, walkers. Killed one person, injured eight. Police were able to pin the truck. It was interesting. I saw a picture of this, how the police got the guy up on the sidewalk while he was driving. One police car in front, one in the back. They pinned him. U-Haul truck swerves onto the sidewalk, plows into cyclists, scooter riders, and pedestrians walking. Again, one person killed, eight others injured. Driver was arrested, taken to the police station. Mayhem unfolded for a howling. It took about 48 minutes for them to stop this guy. And it's just considered to be a violent rampage. And they had no idea why he did this. So my answer, or my question, I should say, why does one story get so much coverage, which it should, the university shooting, but the other story, really, it got some local news coverage in New York, and that was it. Now, if the guy in New York City had been going up and down the sidewalks with a gun, shooting people, that would be headlines all over the place. You know it would. But because he used a U-Haul truck, which, as you know, if you keep up with the news, is not the first time this has happened. It's happened many times. Many times. Someone rents a truck, and even rents a truck in New York City, and go, not, and other places. It's happened in Miami and places in Europe, too. And they have a big truck, and they just go plowing through crowds. Gets much less attention much less than when someone pulls a gun. In fact, I'm reminded of, this is a few years ago, so I want to say it was University of San Diego, but there was a uh, guy who, a college student there, pulled a knife, in his kitchen knife, stabs his roommate to death, goes down the hallway, stabs somebody else, hops in his car, runs over some people, Gets onto the university campus, jumps out of the car with a gun, starts shooting. A, uh, I won't say police officer, security officer on the campus was there and was able to shoot back and stopped him. When it made news, gunman attacks campus. Gunman does. The gunman does? So they're not going to tell us that it was a carman, even though he used his car, or a knifeman, even though he started the whole thing with a knife. But he had a gun at some point. Therefore, it's a gun story. After that, it completely becomes a gun story. And they never really mentioned, except in brief, the other killings that happen with the other instruments, the car and the knife. All right, just pointing out, you see how your news media prioritizes things. Well, I think the story in New York with the U-Haul truck should be every bit as important as the university shooting. All right. Let's get back to the state of Wyoming real quick here. Headline for you, Cowboy State Daily. Do you want alternative COVID medications? Apparently not in Wyoming, according to a Senate committee. Legislation that would have allowed doctors and pharmacists to dispense off-label prescriptions. 
without concern or recourse from medical oversight agencies, died in Senate Health, Labor, and Services Committee on Monday. Debate about the bill, which would have allowed doctors in Wyoming to prescribe medications intended for other conditions, was mostly divided in testimony from Wyoming medical professionals and from the general public as well. So although the bill didn't delineate any specific medications targeted by the bill. Healthcare industry's response to COVID-19 overshadowed the conversation. The story says specifically, Public Debate Monday re- uh, focused on, I can never pronounce it, hydrochloroxacone, whatever, and ivermectin, the two medications for over for, for all sorts of other conditions that are proven highly questionable in the results of COVID. Now, last time I talked about this, there were some people who were saying, well, Trump took it. Yeah, but Trump also got sick. Yeah, and some people have taken these medications and still got sick and died. Just like people who took the COVID vaccine, a lot of people still got sick and died, even though they took the vaccine with all the boosters. So there's a lot of questionable science here in this. Uh, Senator... I'm sorry, State Representative Sarah Penn, Republican Riverton, a nurse practitioner who sponsored the House bill, was one of a few medical professionals who expressed support for the legislation, saying doctors should have flexibility when they prescribe drugs without worrying about losing their jobs. They're going to do what's best with their patient. They talk to their patient, and between the doctor and the patient, they come up with what they think is best. Uh, The medications actually did save lives, she said, and she's a medical professional. Penn said threats have been made against medical professionals by the Wyoming Medical Board for prescribing off-label medications for COVID. The story goes on to say Willard Woods, no relation that I'm aware of. Wheatland Doctor was fired in 2021 by Banner Health-owned Platt Medical Memorial Hospital for prescribing medications that I can't pronounce. He said... Of the 750 patients he prescribed these drugs to, there were no negative outcomes or complaints. He said, I did not take prescribing these medications simply because someone said they might work. Mr. or Dr. Woods, no relation that I'm aware of, said the source rate for his patients was much higher and the fatality rate for those who were infected with the virus and none. And he credited himself for saving seven or eight lives because of his decision to prescribe something else. So that, anyway, has died in committee in the state of Wyoming. We wait to see what happens next. Oh, thank you. Robin and Casper, three killed and five in ICU at the Michigan State University. Also, Grandpa Rich uh, says he's getting snow at about three inches an hour. Blue Eyes and Douglas, we know why this is a gun shooting gets media attention, because... They're liberal. They want to take our guns away. Not going to dispute you on that. Well, they don't want to take our U-Hauls away, do they? 815, Wake Up Wyoming. Your Wyoming Travel Network. Paper or the 5 o'clock news. You need Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. Mornings on K2 Radio. It's the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Christine sitting in the studio with me with Jason Friends. Before we get into it, Jason's Friends is... 
Jason's Friends Foundation helps families here in Wyoming. We financially assist them while their child is going through the life-saving treatment that they need for cancer, brain, or spinal cord tumors. Yeah, and that's one of those things going through all of what you just described there, which could financially ruin someone I mean, immediately. And then they got to figure out how are they going to make it from here to where the treatments are? Because a lot of times that's out of state. Absolutely. Wyoming's too small to have any pediatric cancer treatment centers here. So all of our families here in Wyoming have to leave the state. Some go to Colorado, some go to Utah, right. and some even further. And we make sure they get where they need to be. Now, you've got the usual bolathon up, but before we get into that, how do people that are not going to be able to attend for bowling, you can have help year-round if, if someone wants to do that. How do they donate? Sure. We can, if you can't make the event, you can be a phantom bowler. You can still collect donations for the foundation. You can still collect donations year-round. We always are in need of that. This is our annual Bowl for Jason's Friends event, our one and only fundraiser. All right. Do you have need for volunteers at this time we're set pretty good but if you are interested in volunteering you can contact our office at 235-3421 and we can see if we can get you helping us that day what if you're a family who has a need and you want to give them a call right yes if you are a family here in wyoming that has a child with cancer and you have not been connected with us please reach out to us we want to help Again, our number is 235-3421, or you can find more information at jasonsfriends.org. Okay. Your yearly fundraiser, people go bowling. It happens in Casper, Wyoming. At which lane? El Marco Lanes. El Marco Lanes. Okay. Every single year you raise about how much through this? Uh, Last year, we were a little over 360000 Wow. It okay. is good. However, last year, we also did help families financially assist them with over 700000 Wow. Okay. So you cover that extra cost, I guess, throughout. Yeah. Okay. Through grants, other yeah. donations uh, yeah. throughout the year, other drives that we do. Okay. So for those people who would like to participate in the bowling, how do they do that? And no, you don't have to be a good bowler. You can suck. No, no. All ages are welcome. The purpose is not to come out and be a great bowler. It's to bring in the donations and have celebration that day when you come out Saturday, March 4th at El Marco Lanes. Contact our office or you can do it online. You can register your team of five. Um, Put your fundraising team of five together. Go out and collect those donations. Schedule a time and show up on Saturday, March 4th at your time and celebrate with us for our 25th anniversary. Corporate sponsors? We have corporate sponsors, uh, including Town Square Media and several others. We have lane sponsors. We're kind of wrapping those up right now just because of the time frame. But uh, we still are looking for prize sponsors and mm-hmm. always, we'll always okay. take the help. So when people arrive, can you just arrive throughout the day? You are scheduled. If you have a bowling team, you are scheduled for a certain session that day. And so you would arrive during that time. But public is open to mm-hmm. it's open to the public to come we have a silent auction with lots of items so anybody can come in stop by see what it's about and shop the auction okay online place to go to sign up for all this jasonsfriends.org jasonsfriends.org you're on facebook too aren't you we are jason's friends foundation wyoming okay jason friends foundation wyoming or jasonsfriends.org and you can go ahead and sign up for everything involving the bowling or maybe just year-round sponsorship if they want to do that absolutely donate anytime 
Okay, all laid out for you. you yes. What area do you cover? Just all of Wyoming? All of Wyoming. So we have families throughout. Right now we have 152 families here wow. in Wyoming. We just received two in one day last week. Wow. So it's it's the need is great. Uh, the need is that is continues. Big, yes. Let's, let's go over again for those people mm-hmm. who were listening at the beginning because we kind of rattled through it. So when someone has to go for treatment, they might have to go down to Colorado or someplace else. So transportation, driving, right. flying, whatever. Right. Yes, we cover all your travel expenses. We are your travel agent. Yeah. Uh, we set up your lodging. We pay for all that. Uh, we pay for your fuel, your groceries, your you know your food while you're there, your meals out. And then we also take care of the things at home because a parent has to miss work mm-hmm. and that can kind of hurt at home. So then we can step in and help with household bills, the mortgage, utilities. And then new this year, we actually started helping with the child's medical individual deductible wow. each year. That's yes. a lot of expense. To it is a lot. Cover. Do you get yep. with other organizations besides yours because there's so much to cover? No, we're just um, we partner with a lot of you know our main source for referrals are the social workers at the hospitals, mm-hmm. and we partner uh, with them. And other foundations in the community do different things than what we do. Mm-hmm. So we all have our different purposes. Okay. But yeah, how did all of this get started? You know, back in 1996, when Jason Eads uh, was diagnosed with a brainstem brainstem tumor, uh, families and friends watched the Eads family go through a very hard time. They ended up out in New York, uh, home away from home, and watched how, you know, just financially it can be just a struggle being away from family. And after Jason passed away in 1997... Uh, 1995, excuse me, uh, after he passed away, the foundation was started in 1996 to make sure that no other family had to wow. uh, be stressed during this whole hard time. So you've been doing this since 1996? Yes. Okay. 26 years we've been around Jason's Friends Foundation. Uh, fundraising we didn't start for 25 years ago. So it's our 25th anniversary for the actual fundraiser bowl for Jason's Friends. So there's a lot to learn during that period. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you first start to do this, you know nothing other than we're going to help. Right. And we started out with just helping local Casper families, uh, yeah. meals, babysitting, going and getting groceries, whatever we could. But it was very clear very quickly that we needed financial to assist these fam- families financially. Therefore, we needed to fundraise. And okay. therefore, the for Jason's Friends was born. Where do you find the volunteers for all of this? A lot of our volunteers, we have a group that has been around since the beginning that started. And then we have ones that just continue to come back. We've got a great group, 15 to 20 of us, that just continue to run this bowling event and put it all together in three months, two months. Mm -hmm. Two months, really. Two months, really. We start January, and this is Saturday, March 4th, so... We've got a great group of volunteers. Okay. So at some point, you said grants too. So at some point, I guess, what, you turn to the state or? Not state or federal. Okay. We actually just individual um, grants through okay. other foundations that grant money. Okay. Um, McMurray Foundation, for instance. Um, but there's a lot of other um, opportunities with other foundations throughout the state that do grants. Uh, Wyoming Community Foundation. And we apply for those grants. Okay. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, I think it's mainly the volunteers. What kind of person do you find ends up volunteering for something like this? That's what gets me. Someone that's passionate, passionate yeah. about what we do. And, you know, some have, uh, we have a couple that have been families and they wanted to give yeah. back and they are on our volunteer committee. So it's finding those those right people that um, yeah. they're in it for the right, well, the passion's there. Yeah, you just have to ask. Do you ever yes. work with uh Pilots for Christ, groups like that. 
No. I know there's pilots out there that will fly people to treatments. Yes, we have. Angel Flight West we have okay. tried to work with before. Um, and they have actually transported one of our families. Uh, okay. So we have tried to reach out to some of those partners when those instances okay. are up there. Yeah. What about other drivers? Drivers, no. Um, the only thing that we end up doing, we make sure that they have a vehicle that's yeah. maintained um, wow. and to get them where they need yeah. to be. And if they don't have a vehicle that's maintained, uh, we do reimburse for a rental car. Because sometimes when you talk about going away from home, these treatments can last a while. They might be months. down someplace else for yeah, yeah months, quite some time. Yep. And so that means the house is left alone. They yes. might even have pets. Yes. There's so many things that you don't think about when you're going to be gone. We just have a family right now that is settling in for six months down in Denver. Mm -hmm. And there's just so many different, you know, the all the stuff that you just don't think about yeah. leaving your home. And luckily, a lot of them have a good community behind them as well to help them during that hard time. Okay. So how to get in touch with you again? You can call our office at 235-3421. Or visit us online at jasonsfriends.org. And all the information on Bowl and what we do as a foundation. If you're a family that um, this would fit you, please reach out to us. We, we're ready to help. Okay. And again, the bowling event happens when? We are Saturday, March 4th at El Marco Lanes in Casper. And also new this year, we are doing a pilot at in Gillette, Wyoming at Camel Lanes the same day, Saturday, March 4th. So if you're interested in that one as well and registering, that is all online as well. All right. Thank you for coming in. All right. Thank you, Glenn. You take a look, call Glenn Woods now at 888-97-Woods. This is Wake Up Wyoming on K2 Radio. Thirty-six the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. All the guests, everything's out of the way, which means we're into open phones, which you get every day on this program at some point. Morning. Wake Up Wyoming is about to enter daily open phones. This means that anyone will be allowed to call in and talk about anything. I mean, imagine if we actually allowed you on air to say anything you wanted. Scary, right? Well, we're just that brand of crazy. If you are offended by what other people think, then maybe you want to tune out right about now. Just saying. If you should choose to call, just remember, the more funny and interesting you are, the longer Glenn will keep you on the line. Obnoxious jerks will be hung up on. <coughs> Dave, <coughs> all right, strap in and let's do this thing. Triple eight four seven with the phone number. Dave is in Laramie. Hello, Dave. This is Mike and Laramie. Oh, Mike and Laramie. Sorry, she said Dave on the thing. That confused me. Hi, Mike. Oh, okay. Hey, I, I may be plowing old ground, but I heard on KOWB uh, this morning about Senate file, I think it's 142, mm. and it appears that Rocky Mountain Power is listening to you with regard to wind and solar. Oh, okay. Yeah, they, I, think, I think this passed the Senate, and it's required well, Rocky Mountain Power and the other companies to do carbon sequestration and carbon capture. Yeah. And the power company is saying that yeah, but, but they're actually saying that like wind and solar are not clean, they're not green, they're right. not sustainable, they're not reliable, and carbon sequestration does not work. And all these states that want carbon-free electric electricity are going to want to shut down the power plants regardless of what we do. Yes, okay. So they're listening to you. I need to find that article. That way I can do a, hey, somebody out there is listening story on the air. 
And and by yeah, the way, isn't it KOWB? Isn't it? Well, that's one of the stations that carries this program here. Isn't it um, scary that somebody potentially in a high place is actually listening to this program and taking my advice? You should be very I think afraid. It's a great idea. Okay. No, I uh, think it's a great idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, should, more of them should listen to you on this subject. Okay, I appreciate that. I'm going to go look up that article and make sure it's shared around, especially on the air. Okay. All right. Thank you, Mike. All right. Now, I didn't know that, uh, again, KOWB is one of the stations that carries this program here. So I'll go ahead and take a look at that. Glad to hear it, too. And I hope they're getting that from listening to me just because every now and then I need a little bit of a pat on the back. All right. Let's get to the Chinese balloon thing. White. So what exactly are those up there? By the way, there's a story on the Wake Up Wyoming site yesterday. You and I went through wrong answers only as to what exactly is being carried by those balloons up there that are different altitudes now, not just 60-some thousand feet, but 20-some thousand feet. So what exactly are they carrying? We don't know, which made me stop and think for a moment. Those people out there who are tin hatters are now saying to the rest of us, well, what do you think of tin hats now? And so I started to research a little bit on exactly how you make a tin hat. Now, I did ask one time, can you order a tin hat? And the answer to that was, well, probably not a good idea because if you order a tin hat, then the government knows that you ordered one. Now you're really being tracked. Who the hell are you? Oh, um, I'm just here looking for a tin hat. Why? I'd rather not say out loud. Good answer. Is the problem terrestrial threat or outer space? Outer space, I suspect. CIA, KGB, gray, or reptile? Probably a combination, but I can't tell which combo. Since you're not sure, probably need three or more sheets, conventional headgear lined with electromagnetic fields, mind control, and mind reading. Do you have a cat? Yeah, I do have a cat. He'll need one, too. If they're from Vogon, they'll probably watch you through your cat. Where did you learn all of this? That's classified. Oh, is it? Well, it just seems odd that you know so much. Seems odd that you ask so many questions. You have trouble making sales, don't you? Only sell to those I trust. So, yeah. So the article I put up on this morning's website for Wake Up Wild, Miss Mary will alert it out at some point. The article goes into detail about how not just to make a tin hat, but how to make a tin cowboy hat. If you're looking for that. I'm protected because I made this hat from aluminum foil. Where it had this foil line in case an alien's inclined to probe your butt or read your mind. 
that first one that really bothers me. So let's go ahead and take a look at from one of the videos. I did I did research on this this morning. How exactly do you make a tin hat? I've seen some tinfoil hats recently, and I'm a bit worried the ones I've seen don't seem to be designed using good science. So as a materials engineer, I thought I'd help with some science-based advice. The goal of a tinfoil hat is to shield a person's brain from electromagnetic radiation like radio waves. Most people will want to block the radiation used by modern electronic devices. So your hat needs to be designed to block frequencies of 100 kilohertz up to 300 gigahertz. Just my two cents, these frequencies are still considered harmless, but I'm not here to judge you on why you want to block them, I'm just here to help you block them using science. The goal of a foil hat is to make it act like a Faraday cage. This is an enclosure made up of a conducting material that shields its interior from external electrostatic charges and electromagnetic radiation by distributing them around its exterior and dissipating them. Take a look inside your microwave. Ever notice the metal mesh on the front? That's a Faraday shield. Now, most of the hats I've seen have used tin foil, and this is an okay material. I should say that tin foil is actually made from aluminium, but you knew that already, right? Aluminium has some electromagnetic wave blocking capabilities thanks to its electrical conductivity. There are, however, much more conductive and therefore more protective materials that you can use. If your budget allows, you'd be much better off with making your hat out of gold, silver, or copper foil instead. Next, you have to think about how thick your hat is. Thicker materials help to block lower frequency radiation, so I suggest using at least 10 separate layers of foil for good protection. For the best protection, these would be layers of different materials, so alternating aluminium, gold, silver, and copper foil for an incredible shielding system. The biggest problem in the hat designs that I've seen is that they only cover the top of your head. Electromagnetic radiation can still get to your brain by entering underneath the hat. An effective Faraday cage needs to fully enclose whatever it's shielding. So for actual protection, your hat will need to run all the way underneath your chin and around the front of your face and the back of your head. So there you go. Your goal in life is to create an electromagnetic radiation shield for your brain. Even though science shows that these frequencies are harmless, it ideally should look something like this. Then she wraps tinfoil around her entire face, so I can actually uh, believe that one. But okay, so that's how you make a tinfoil hat. And again, the story that I posted on the Wake Up Wyoming site this morning shows you even how to make a tinfoil uh, cowboy hat. Uh, we've got Chinese balloons overhead, you know, precautions. <laughs> Hello? Jenkins? Yes, sir? Yes, sir? Uh, Jenkins, the airline has screwed up again, and I'm stranded in Mexico. Sir, I am so sorry. How can I help? Oh, well, I need you to pick me up when I land. I hired a guy to fly me up in a balloon. Sir, I don't think that's a good idea. Why not? They let that balloon fly all the way across the country. I just want to get across the border. Sir, there are a lot more trigger-happy about balloons this week. Why would they care? I'm coming across the southern border. They don't care about anyone else coming that way into the U.S. I hate to tell you this, but you're an old, rich, white guy. They would probably shoot you down for that alone, much less crossing the border. What if I identify as a refugee? Will it be a white balloon? Pinata colored. They'll be expecting candy when it explodes or fentanyl. If I manage to make it through this week, I would like my straight jacket to be black leather and my helmet to sparkle. Thank you. Sometimes the best way to wake up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. Call Glenn at 888-97-WOODS and make your voice heard. AM 1030 K2 Radio. 
848 is the time, almost 849. Coming up on time to talk to Frank Gambino over there in the icebox. So, Frank, did you get a chance to watch the video? I did. This is a basketball game, men's basketball game between Alabama A&M and I believe Mississippi Valley State. Okay. So, uh, for Alabama A&M, you know, they're, uh, well, they, there's a made free throw. So the Alabama A&M player is just going to inbound the ball, like you see it 10,000 times. Okay. And he's standing right next to a, you know, going on the on the other side of the end line. And then there's a cheerleader there doing like a kick move. Yeah. And it looked like if you, that he, he she may have kicked him, you know, yeah. accidentally. But then again, he didn't flinch. So right. he just kept moving on with the play. Right. So now they come down the floor again. And this lady goes right on the floor and goes right up to him and something like, WTF, you know, yeah. and, and and all of a sudden the security people go, "You're out of here." Yeah, that's right. Now it seemed to me, first off, like it was her mistake because she did a high jumping split in midair, yeah. and her line, her foot crossed over the line onto the court and it bumped into him. It was it was really close. I mean, yes. it's so and yeah, it's so innocuous. I mean. Right. People are contacting each other all, you know, the, time. all and the time. That's why I would have informed her, you're right on the line of a game here. People are going to get by. We've had reporters accidentally get tackled by football players. Yeah. I mean, I, it happens. I couldn't. It, it, could there be a scenario that she actually walked up to the guy on the court and said, yeah. hey, you got in my way? Possibly, yeah. Or wanted an apology. He said nothing. He just took I off. I don't think he said anything. No, he just took off following it, though, is don't. Don't, young lady, just continue doing what you do. Don't walk out onto... That's the thing that got me. If she wants to confront him, not on the court. Wait till after the game. After the game. There you go and walk up to him. Don't walk out onto the court. There's a game on, you know? I think her cheerleading days are over. Men's college basketball, the Wyoming Cowboys will try it again. They'll be in Albuquerque tonight to take on New Mexico. The pokes are in the, pokes are in the midst of a, just a forgettable season at 2-10 and 10 in Mountain West Conference play, 7-17 and 17 overall. UW had seven scholarship players available in their loss to Boise State over the weekend due to departures and injuries. And New Mexico is trying to break a three-game losing streak. They sit at 19-6 and six overall, 6-6 six and six in league play. 8 p.m. starts tonight from the pit. We'll have that for you on K2 Radio and Casper and KCGY and Larry. Girls High School Basketball, Casper and Toronto lost to Sheridan last night, 51-43. In the latest girls Standings first and four A Cheyenne East fifteen and two Laramie fifteen and four Cheyenne Central ten and seven the Trona nine and nine Kelly Walsh three and thirteen Cheyenne South one and seventeen in three A Glen Rock is eight and seven and two A Burns is nine and twelve and one A KC is five and ten and Midwest is one and twelve on the boys side in high school basketball from yesterday Sheridan over to Trona sixty six forty seven in the latest boys standings Cheyenne East sixteen and two Cheyenne Central twelve and seven Laramie nine and ten the Trona eight and nine Kelly Walsh seven and nine. Cheyenne South is four and fourteen, and three A Glen Rock is eight and eight. In two A Burns is six and fifteen, and one A KC is four and twelve, and Midwest is four and fourteen. High school track and field on the indoor circuit ran through Casper on Saturday on the boys' side in that meet. Gage Goss of Lander won three events: the fifty-five meter dash, the fifty-five hurdles, and the four hundred. June Guevara of Cheyenne East won the two hundred. The Tronas Jackson Dutcher placed first in the eight hundred. His teammate Tristan Enders won the sixteen hundred. Cheyenne Central's Bridger Brokaw took the two mile. And C's Caden Lee won the high jump. His 
teammate Bridger Anderson won the long jump, and Kelly Walsh's Landon Walker was victorious in the triple jump. On the girls' side, Natronas Ella Spear won two events, the 200 and the 400. Her teammate Sage Gustafson won the 55. Cheyenne Central Sydney Morrell placed first in the 800, and sees Ashley Gross won the 1600 with Avery Paraton of Cheyenne Central winning the 3200. Her teammate Nigeria Wiley Ramirez won the 55 hurdles. Avery Slate of Burns Pine Bluffs won the high jump. Talia Morris from Cheyenne East placed first in the long jump. Central's Brinkley Lewis won the pole vault, and Tegan Becker of Kelly Walsh took the podium in the shot put. In football, former three-time All-Pro offensive lineman Conrad Dobler passed away yesterday at the age of 72 in Pueblo, Colorado. He played at Wyoming starting in 1968 and was drafted by the NFL St. Louis Cardinals in the fifth round. In 1972, he started 125 games on the offensive line in the NFL with three different teams from 1972 through 1981. And in 1977, they made the cover of Sports Illustrated as Pro Football's dirtiest player. Sioux Falls. And he was. Sioux Falls, South Dakota Police Department just put this tweet out. It's Valentine's Day. Did you go just go through a tough breakup? Is it weighing on you? Does he have warrants for his arrest? Well, feel free to contact. <laughs> <laughs> if the circumstances, it'll be a great gift because they provide for this guy. Well, you know, yeah. Ex-lover. I mean, free know. meals, lodging, free hot television. You know? Yeah, at the county hotel jail. <laughs> <laughs> they actually put that out in a tweet. I have to admire oh, this. All right. Thank you, Frank. Coming up, that's great. Sioux Falls Police Department. Coming up on some local business, we have to take care of news time, more open phones, wake up well. Uh, unless you're a loudmouth jerk like Dave, then Glenn will hang up on you. Strap in, hold on to your coffee. And feel free to participate. This disclaimer does not refer to every person named Dave. Just one particular Dave from San Francisco. We know a lot of Daves. They call this show all the time, and they're great people. So don't call this program and complain that we use your name. That would be a real Dave move, Dave. Again, triple eight ninety seven Woods, the phone number. Or like a lot of people like to do, they send me notes off the Wake Up Wyoming app. Which, by the way, you can listen to the program. Occasionally, people say, I would like to listen to the program when it's over. Because I couldn't listen. I was working while it was live. And they don't know how to do that. Well, if you have the Wake Up Wyoming app, it's just simple. Touch the app. The app is free. It opens up. Across the middle of the app, when it opens, you see a gray bar there, a line. On the left side, the first option is on demand. Touch that. Now, you'll see where you can listen to old episodes. You'll see the show. You'll also see the Wake Up Wyoming Altered States option, which those funny bits that we play here on the air, which are most of, most of them are produced in-house. You can go ahead and play those whenever you want to play them. We also provide in there an explanation of how and why the bit was created. Then you get to hear the bit. So you get to listen to that whenever you want. All of that's free to you, by the way. Okay, so... Is you a hunter in the state of Wyoming? Well, blasting coyotes with night vision scopes on public land is closer to actually becoming a reality. There's a whole bunch of hunters out there that just set up and went, what? Yeah, Cowboy State Daily article. I'll read that again because this is what gets these people really excited. Blasting coyotes. See, right there, they're excited. They're salivating. With night vision scopes <gasps> on public land? Yeah, that could happen. Okay. 
predator hunters are a step closer to being able to stalk at night on public lands after a bill that would allow it to pass through Wyoming Senate by a hefty margin on Monday. If you want to read this, it's House Bill 104. Passed the Wyoming House last month. The Senate approved it 27 to 4 on Monday. No votes. Typical. Kale Case, Republican Lander. All right. Minority Whip. Senator Mike Jeru, I, I'm, I'm not pronouncing his name right, uh, Democrat Jackson, Chris Rothfuss, Democrat Laramie, and Senator Charles Scott, Republican Casper, said no. The measure would allow hunters to use artificial light infrared equipment and night vision scopes. Ooh, you're salivating, aren't you? To find and kill coyotes and other predatory animals on public lands. Those predatory hunting practices are now allowed only on private land with express permission from the landowner. The story says the bill's main sponsor, Representative Jeremy Haroldson of Wheatland, and other proponents have argued that it needs to help bring coyotes under control in their area. So these wily canines frequently attack livestock and have also made a dent in Wyoming's big game population by killing calf and elk and deer fawns, they claim. Coyotes can be extremely elusive. Allowing them to be shot at night will give hunters an edge. However, some predator advocates have encouraged, uh, argued, pardon me, against the random killing of coyotes, saying that killing a dominant coyote near farms and ranches can cause lesser animals to rush in and start attacking livestock. It also has been argued that indiscriminate killing just prompts female coyotes to have bigger litters. I don't know about that last one. I'm not sure about that last one. The gist of the claim made by researchers claim a... That's at the University of Montana said that. So there's safety concerns. And, of course... Getting things like night vision goggles, that's anything but cheap. Night vision goggles have been widely used for pest control in other areas. It's a favored method of culling feral hogs in Texas and other states. Chances are slim that Wyoming hunters will ever get a chance to go infrared. But, it, you know, this bill is getting closer. So, again, people are salivating over the idea I can go buy night vision. Just remember now, you're not talking doing something on the cheap here. Not like you care. Tammy is in Casper about 10 hats. Hello, Tammy. Hey, good morning, Glenn. I got an idea for you. Okay. Well, you just had that little thing you played about the construction of the tin hat that is supposed to cover everything that you want protected. Yes. Okay, so, so go back to the days of the night. Right. So they we, had complete armor. I see. You know, back in the days of nights, we didn't get too many UFO sightings. Can you think? Imagine that. Yeah. So I'm thinking there might be some kind of correlation. Also, besides where, because you want to build like a Faraday cage around you, so even just somebody who is walking around in uh, the chain link armor instead of the full metal armor. I mean, you would think even that, exactly. right? And then they had that metal helmet on their head. So, yeah. see? So maybe they knew something we don't. And how many UFOs did they shoot down back in the Middle Ages? 
None. I don't know, but they had catapults. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay. But I'm so thinking... So maybe that's why they developed the catapult. Maybe oh, you think they were trying to shoot down UFOs. Okay. Well, I, maybe. I'm just saying I don't know of any UFO abductions way back then. And maybe it's because the space aliens were not able to hone in on anybody because we people are walking around wearing metal helmets and, and armor and stuff like that and chain mail. You might be on and something. And they even covered up their horse. See, yeah, they even there you had go. armor on their horses. Yeah, there so you go. Okay. Maybe they were advanced and we just didn't even know it. How many horse abductions did you hear of back then? None. You didn't. No. So you got to yeah. put armor on your cows. Okay. So you there you go. They've, yeah. they've slaughtered these cows. Now we need armor for the cows. Okay. But then, now there's still also that one um, listener who suggested the idea that maybe these balloons are actually, you know, they put the balloons on the cows to capture the methane to protect against climate change. <laughs> maybe these are some balloons that got away. Well, that could be too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I like the one where you thought they were Biden's thoughts. <laughs> As Biden's always. Thoughts balloons. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Tammy. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Woods on AM 1030 K2 Radio. Join the show at 888-97-WOODS. It's the time which wake up my own phone lines are open. Triple eight ninety seven woods. It's eight 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 ninety seven W O O D S. Talking about what I'm talking about. Change the subject. Fine by me. I'll kind of roll with everything. So as long as we we're talking about the weird balloons up in the sky, Defense Department announces a new UFO task force. Sure, why not? The Defense Department has announced, according to this is CBS News, the UFO task force to help the U.S. government spot and identify unknown objects in the air and determine whether they pose any kind of a threat. So the agency announced uh, last Tuesday is creating the Airborne Object Identification Management and Synchronization Group. <laughs> Hang on a second now. <clears throat> so the acronym is <laughs> the Airborne Object Identification Management and Synchronization Group. <laughs> and it almost looks like it says, oh, my gosh. <laughs> so the Washington's effort to detect, identify, that is just the worst acronym ever, <laughs> and attribute objects of interest in special use aerospace and assess and mitigate any associated threats and so on. An Airborne Object Identify and Management Executive Council, comprised of defense intelligence officials, will oversee the new task force, quote, incursions by airborne objects or special use airspace, pose safety to flight and operations concerns, may pose a national security challenge, they say in a press release. So they take this incursion seriously by any airborne object, identified or unidentified, and they want to investigate each and every one. The task force is a successor to the Navy's Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force. That's a better name. Let's see. U-A-P-F, I guess. Okay. That still doesn't... You've got to make an acronym that says something when you just take the first letters. But okay, they released a report in June on their findings, what they called unidentified aerial phenomena, which gave 
some channels like Discovery Channel, all sorts of great material to keep their UFO conspiracy television shows alive. And that one guy, you know the guy with the weird hair that just sits, he combs it straight up? The aliens. Yeah, that guy. Officials at the time had been investigating 144 reports of unidentified flying objects, most of which were reported within the last two years, according to the report. They were only able to identify one of those large objects, a deflating balloon. The others, no idea. Unexplained. And while they are still unsure of what the objects actually are or where they came from, they do know one thing for certain, they were real. Quote, from a safety flight issue, we believe we're seeing and not simply just censure artifacts. We're actually seeing something, or physical objects. Task Force is going to implement guidance and more details in the coming weeks about specific plans and so on. And when I take a look at a story like that, I don't necessarily, I don't look at that and think, it's from outer space. We as human beings right now are experimenting with so many different kinds of aircraft, drones of various different types, from military drones that can break the sound barrier and more to small drones that you can operate using remote controls held in your hand. So who knows? But just because you don't know what it is doesn't mean it came from outer space or yet. Yeah, from China for that matter, we don't know. And in many cases, when I have seen uh, some shows that do take a serious look, so you got a Navy pilot, he's got something on his scope and he doesn't know what it is. But again, if you could get up on it, whatever it is, and take a good look, in most cases, there is a reasonable explanation. It just, it appeared on the scope in some way that made the guy go, the pilot go, huh? <clears throat> well, okay, let's see what they can find out. What that says to me, when I read an article like this is, yes, show prep. That gives me more material to talk to you guys about. So let's go with it. All right, back to the state of Wyoming. Wyoming will continue, the headline says, to a cloud seeding program after efforts to nix it fails. All right, now, there is somebody that I know and like who works with this cloud seeding program. I wouldn't say who, but, and I've talked to even the director a couple of years ago of the cloud seeding program here in Wyoming, and I asked flat out, so does cloud seeding work? Do we get more rain out of this? His answer is, we don't know. This is the director of the program. We don't know if we're getting any results or not. But of course, they want to keep going because this is what they make a living doing. So again, Cowboys say daily an attempt to stop paying for cloud seeding efforts in Wyoming was rejected by the Senate Monday. Representative Bo Bightman Ranchester proposed an amendment to an omnibus water bill that would have eliminated nearly all state funding for the program. He says the fact that we're relying on people's fundings to do something where the science is a little sketchy is probably, well, then quit doing carbon sequestration, by the way. Wyoming spends about $1.1 million on the practice. Bidman says the amendment originated from uh, nearly minted cloud seeding. Well, basically, again, we're, we've been doing this for quite a few years and trying to study the benefits of it. Yet, nobody can see if there is or isn't benefits. We don't know. 
Story says cloud seeding is seen by supporters as a potential benefit to farmers. Yeah, potential, but we haven't seen a result or not either way. By augmenting mountain snowpack, supporters hope seeding will counter the effects of climate change. Yeah, drought-stricken areas and so on. The amendment was defeated 18 to 13. Okay. Well, close enough that maybe you can defeat it next time around. Next time around's a budget session. Hopefully we can then. During the discussion of the amendment, Senator Bob Ide, Republican Casper, referred to a 2021 Scientific America story that said there was little definitive evidence on the effectiveness of cloud seeding. And a 2015 study from the Bureau of Reclamation that says the proof the scientific community has been seeking for many decades is still not in hand. This is what I mean by we don't know if it does or doesn't work, which is why I would say if you're not sure whether it does or doesn't, then it doesn't. So stop it. Senator Larry Hicks, Republican of Bags, questioned whether the money should be dedicated to a program that has questionable results. My answer is no, don't. But then again, I'm a tightwad with your money. So, quote, the main question I come back to is, is it cost effective? Now, see, I might come down on a different side of this as much as I'm a tightwad with your money. But let's say they cloud seeded and the results were obvious. I mean, wow, we seeded that cloud, and it's proven. It works. Well, you're, you're living in Wyoming, which is considered to be a dry, high plains desert. So we can squeeze every little bit of moisture out of every little cloud that passes over. By God, do it. But if you've been doing it for this many years and you have no idea whether it's working or not, well, then stop it. Senator Larry Hicks, again, bags question. The main question comes back to is it cost effective? 2014 research study analysis. The results of Wyoming's pilot program showed cloud seeding. They said caused a 5 to 15% increase, but every study after that goes, I don't know. Newer calculations estimate there could be an annual water flow, uh, and it talks about the gallons and feet inches and so on. But it's always in it could be, it might, it might be that there's no proof that it is. Jared Nethercott, Republican Cheyenne, spoke on behalf of cloud seeding and mentioned its benefits in mitigating hail. But again, we don't know that. The cloud seeding projects make up 1.1 million of the 23.2 million omnibus water construction bill. I can see using that 1.1 million on things a lot better than that on things that we know for sure work. Morning, Blue Eyes. Blue Eyes and Douglas has sent me a note, which I'll answer in just a moment while you're listening to News Wake Up Wyoming. Wake the up Wyoming that I told mobile you guys about Wake that up Wyoming with Glenwood on up AM 1030 K2 Radio. Turbines look like they're turning really slow. But when you consider the size of these blades, they're not turning slow. They're actually turning very fast. And a bird, especially a big bird of prey, some big bird with big wings flying over top of one of these things, feels the turbulence and vortexes put up and thinks, oh, uplift, and rides it, not realizing that he's getting slowly but surely sucked in closer. By the time the bird realizes he's getting sucked in, and I've seen videos where birds, 
either try to fly away flapping her wings or try to turn away or even fold up the wings and try to dive. But by the time they realize they're too close, it's too late. They're getting sucked in. They're dead. Many videos on this. Here's the story. Federal land managers are calling for public input on plans to select sites for solar and wind energy products projects in Wyoming. Development that, if poorly sited, could interrupt wildlife migrations or ruin critical habitats. The Bureau of Land Management plans to reboot a 2012 initiative to attract more solar energy on federal lands, expanding its scope to include Wyoming among 10 other western states. One conservation group is already weighing in, drawing a map where solar farms might be least impactful to migration and birds and so on. So the BLM is going to host a public meeting on this. Efforts is part of the Energy Act 2020, which envisions developing about 25,000 megawatts. And then I, I talked about this earlier this morning. They never do that. If we build this wind or solar facility, it's going to create this much power. And they never reached that goal because they were always telling you what it could potentially do. But because of all sorts of circumstances, it never does. If you own a car in Wyoming, you know. Go get your car washed. Now, don't do anything with it. Just park it. And come back every within a day or two and look at how much dirt and dust is on there. That's Wyoming wind for you blowing constantly and then there's cloudy days and right now how much snow and ices would be on wind farms or wind uh, panels the effort again part of that act has come to some uh, 18.4 million acres of blm managed surface as where they're going to be looking for a place to put this they have to evaluate the landscape landscape and try to figure out well now we have migratory animals here which place could we put it where we're not going to affect animals that are migrating and other stuff? Well, hang on a second now. A wind farm is how big? It takes up how much land? Now, coal and a natural gas plant, you've driven by those. They have a very small footprint. They don't take up much land. Very little impact on the environment. But even if they got it out of the arena of you know migratory paths and so on they still have to take up a huge amount of land in order to plant all these solar panels so the story says poor siting could and should be avoided said one consultant with more solar panels the nature conservatory wants to take into account wind and other farms they keep calling it renewable energy it's not because the scale of solar energy farms is typically fenced off in industrialized land to occupy it, it will interrupt wildlife corridors. There's no way to do this without interrupting something. This is a long and involved story that I'm going to get more into over time because I want to read the whole thing and try to kind of give you guys like a Reader's Digest version of how this would work. But again, in order to put up solar farms, you have to take up massive amounts of land. Now, these are the same environmentalists who, when they see a bunch of oil and gas rigs go up, they freak out. Because, Look at all the land you're taking up there. Well, you're about to put up something that takes up far more land than that. So how about considering that then? How much land you have to take up and the impact on the environment? Uh, 
But now you're told, of course, they constantly beat the drum of it's clean, it's green, it's renewable, it's et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And when I bring up things like I'm talking to you about right now, they don't want to discuss it because it's got to be, well, everything's got to be unicorns and rainbows, right? Very rarely does the left ever discuss any of the downsides. And there are many downsides. 942, Wake Up Wyoming. Wake up quicker than a soggy morning porch paper. You need Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods on K2 Radio. Forty-seven. The time. Wake up, Wyoming. Off we go to the ice box. Frank Gambino is waiting by. So, Frank, I came across this story put up by our friend Tom Morton. Kelly Walsh High School wrestling room named for Jerry, Jerry Howie. Yeah. Yeah. So, what he, happened? Uh, uh, he he coached for Kelly Walsh for a long time. Uh, passed away recently. I mean, he was a great guy. And um, you know, so they had a you know he coached wrestling forever. He coached a lot of things really. And then just as a you know, a final, you know, uh, you know, remembrance, that kind of thing. Uh, their wrestling practice room, they named it after him. Okay. It's cool. Good. All right. I noticed that they put the name over the door. And oh, yeah. That's, so good. that's good. good to see. Okay. I, I, that's, a, that's a great, great, great move by that by that uh, yeah. wrestling program. Well, I'm glad Tom has a story up here on a Wake Up Wyoming site so people can go, if they don't know, read all about why that name needs to be up there. So, good. All right. Also, Kelly Walsh, Jim, $63,000 donation for a scoreboard. <laughs> They could probably use one. You think so? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think maybe they, when they when they built the new school, I gotta think if they brought the whole scoreboard with them from the old gym. Mm-hmm. I gotta think about that one. I mean, okay. it's a nice gym, but you know, scoreboards yeah. now. I mean, you gotta be you know buy it and get it sponsored and you know make sure it yeah. kind of looks nice, you know and yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm all into upgrades like that. Okay. Now, this reminds me of, as you're talking about this, some years ago, I was up in Gillette, and, of course, they had the baseball team up there, and there's a guy up there who was covering the local baseball team, mm-hmm. and he said, and I said, I'm not into sports, but I do like getting into the setting of the small-town baseball game, because it's, it's, for me, I'm not interested in the game. I'm watching the fans. Yeah. That's such a good time. So he said, well, come up to the booth with me. And, of course, I came up there with a big dripping plate of uh, chips and cheese, <laughs> and I had to have some of the chili in there, too, and a uh, soft drink. I mean, you got it, Frank. Well, not yeah. in the press box. Well, well maybe I so. I, I'll take I that did. back. I did. I sat right next to him. Now, what got me, though, speaking of keeping score, so he's got the entire game. He's not just covering it. He's also calling the game over the speakers, right? And... He's broadcasting on a local television station at the time, or radio station at the time. So he's doing all of this, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm watching him. He has his iPad out, and he has an app to keep track of not just the score, but every player and everything that's going on. It's amazing. No, 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 that that kind of technology is amazing. Yeah. It made his work so easy, especially when he saw a player, especially for the opposing team, do something that he wanted to mention— and all he has to do is tap on that number. The guy's picture comes up, all of the information. Yeah, it's now great. it sounds like he's done his homework and he actually knows what he's talking about. As opposed to the old days where you had to research the stuff yourself. And actually memorize it all. Yeah, or as best you could. Now, I figure you're out there enough that you just know it. I'm out there enough to where I guess more right than I guess wrong. <laughs> so when, when you see a player out there do something phenomenal, you're guessing. 
Well, I, I, I'm not guessing it's phenomenal. Okay. I, no. I, have, I have to guess, like, and that, is that guy is that, Glenn or yeah, is his that, name uh, no, it def- Trust me, his name is definitely not Glenn. Yeah. It's something amazing. <laughs> All right, men's college basketball. The Wyoming Cowboys at New Mexico tonight. The Pokes are in the midst of a forgettable season, and they sit at 2-10 and 10 in Mountain West play, 7-17 and 17 overall. New Mexico is looking to break a three-game losing streak, but they will come into this game with a record of 19-6, and six, but they're 6-6 six and six in Mountain West play. It's an 8 p.m. start tonight from the Pit now. Albuquerque. We'll have that for you on K2 Radio and Casper and KCGY and Laramie. Girls High School Basketball. Casper and Eternal lost to Sheridan last night, 51-43. The latest girls standings, first in 4A, Cheyenne East 15-2. Laramie's 15-4. Cheyenne Central 10-7. Natrona 9-9. Kelly Walsh 3-13. Cheyenne South 1-17. In 3A, Glenrock is 8-7. and In 2A, Burns 9-12. In 1A, Midwest is 1-12. And, and KC is 5-10. On the boys' side, Sheridan beat Natrona yesterday, 66 47 in the latest boys standings. Cheyenne East at 16 and 2, Cheyenne Central 12 and 7, Larrabee's 9 and 10, Natrona's 8 and 9, Kelly Wall 7 and 9, Cheyenne South 4 and 14, in 3A Glenrock is 8 and 8, in 2A Burns is 6 and 15, 1A KC 4 and 12, and Midwest is 4 and 14. The high school indoor track circuit ran through Casper over the weekend on the boys' side. Gage Goss of Lander won three events: the 55 meter dash, the 55 hurdles, and the 400. Drew Guevara of Cheyenne East won the 200. Natrona's Jackson Dutcher took the 800 with his teammate Tristan Enders winning. The 1600 Cheyenne Central's Bridger Brokaw won the 3200 on the field events. Uh, NC's Caden Lee won the high jump. His teammate Bridger Anderson the long jump. Kelly Walsh's Landon Walker the triple jump. On the girls' side, the Tronus Ella Spear won the 200 and the 400 meter dashes with her teammate Sage Gustafson taking the 55. Cheyenne Central's Sydney Morrell placed first in the 800. NC's Ashley Gross won the 1600. Central's Avery Perrotson won the two mile. Her teammate Nigeria Wiley Ramirez won the 55 hurdles. Avery Slate of Burns Pine Bluffs won. Won the high jump, Talia Morris from Cheyenne East placed first in the long jump. Central's Brinkley Lewis won the pole vault, and Tegan Becker of Kelly Walsh took the podium in the shot put. In football, former three-time All-Pro offensive lineman Conrad Dobler passed away at the age of 72. He played at Wyoming starting in 1968 and was drafted by the NFL St. Louis Cardinals in the fifth round back in 1972. In the NFL, he started 125 games from 72 through 1981 with three different teams, and in 1977 made the cover of Sports Illustrated as pro football's dirtiest player. When I die, I still haven't figured out if he won if he owned that bar in Riverside or not. Oh, okay. Well, you see, that's that's research worth doing. That's yes. in depth research that is worth your salary. Yeah. So I figure now they put this coach's name up above the. Okay. When I die, I would like something really bizarre that makes people wonder, like the Glen Woods Memorial paper towel dispenser. Okay. See. Um. Why is that here? Did you do you want something to like to like the Glen Woods? The, the snow shoveler thing off uh, the windshield? No, that's more like work, something oh, like that. Oh, okay, just, I just want something. people to walk, walk into like a, a highway rest stop out in the middle of nowhere, and while they're over there drying their hands at the sink, they look up and see the Glenwoods <laughs> Memorial paper towel dispenser, and they wonder... Who, Who is the this hell guy? Was Glenn Woods? And he may have there? invented the paper towel. See, it could be. I'll make them wonder about yeah. something like that. All right, that's my plan. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Good All man. right, thank you. Now it's got to be something weird. I mean, you know me, right? Let's wake up, Wyoming.